All right. Well, welcome everybody to a special quarantine episode of the Robinson Report. This I have not been on any form of Robinson Report platforms for just about two and a half months now since um, you know back when school was in session. But my name is Jacob Robinson. You are technically listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons, just because. Um, this will probably make the airwaves when the time comes. But I am joined by a very special guest. I would say Duke's finest, but that no longer applies. Happy graduation to Cade McCurdy. Cade, how are you? I'm doing great, Jake. How are you? I'm doing, I'm hanging well. How's, um, just for the sake of on-air content versus off-air content, I know I already asked you this off-air, but on-air for the sake of the viewers, in case, you know, Diane or Emily Press or anyone listens that, you know, would want to listen, how is the quarantine life going? Uh, you know, it, quarantine is, is quarantine. It's pretty boring. Been watching a lot of TV, getting in pointless internet debates. Uh, I brought my Twitter game to a whole other level. Um, try my best, though. What are the pointless internet debates that you, that one finds himself in? Oh, no, I'm just jumping on everything. It's like, what's the best uh, the best area code repping the 813? It's like, who's got the best college basketball team? I say Duke. They say, who's your favorite rapper? And even if they name my favorite rapper, I jump in with someone out of pocket just to start a fight. I'll put you on the spot really quickly. I noticed that Coach K said Grant Hill was the best player that he's ever coached. Do you agree with that assessment for the most part? I mean, if you're looking at college, I'm sure to Coach K, the three or four years of Grant Hill is more valuable to him than one year of, like, Zion. Um, yeah. I think I think if I remember right, he said Leitner and Grant Hill, and I think that's probably the best two picks he could make. It'd be like those two and um, Jay Williams would have to be my, my – I was about to say, guys like Jay Williams, there's a lot of solid – and I know their NBA careers are different. There's a lot of solid guys in, like, that two, like mid-2000s range – yeah, that were really good leading up to the 2010 national championship team and even that 2010 national championship team. Um, but for those listening, so Cade and myself had the pleasure of being in an all-time NBA franchise draft. The full results of that draft um, are on our website, RadioDePaulSports.com. But Cade McCurdy was announced the undisputed champion of that draft. Cade, first things first, you never got the proper acceptance speech for that draft. Is there anything you want to say about you being the champion of that draft? Well, I'm just glad to say that greatness recognizes greatness. I was a little bit afraid people weren't going to understand what I was doing. Okay. Uh, there, were some, there were some very interesting picks, I thought. Shout out to Dan Issel, which we can talk about later, probably. Definitely can't talk about that later. Um, but I thought overall the draft went well, and I just got lucky that people weren't necessarily looking at the guys I was looking at until it was too late. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. Um, were you surprised that your team was with, by it with the, the um, victory of margin was so big that it wasn't even no team made it close to second? Or are you like, I knew going in or at the end of the draft that this was going to be the number one. It was no, you know, no doubt in my mind. I was nervous for the, we had two rounds of voting for those listening. Um, we had among the people in the, in the league or like in the draft and then among Twitter, Twitter users. I felt pretty good when we got to Twitter. I feel like Twitter is, uh, is my domain and no one else really had a chance once we got there. Um, but I was a little bit nervous that some of the other guys weren't going to like, like my team as much as I did. Okay, so wait, so just to clarify, because your voice kind of distorted just a tiny bit, I don't think it's a nothing that we don't need to fix. Um, mm -hmm. You are more nervous for the people that participated, or you're more nervous for the general poll on Twitter? 
the people that participated. Oh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, that's right. If Duke rallies around its own. If I call out my shooters, the key for a Twitter <laughs> poll I've learned is you want to take a commanding lead early and then people will fall into line, and that's exactly <laughs> what I did. Um, but the people in the league, or like in the draft rather, I was afraid that they weren't going to respect some of the decisions I made. Okay, that makes sense. Um, what do you think is easier? Go, do you want to, so we're going to break down the full, um, the full draft. Do you want to do a preview, like the round by round decision and then do teams? Do you want to do just team breakdown from there? Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts about anything within the first round or second round. Obviously there's nothing to break down crazy if we did a in-depth preview of the eighth round. Um, but do you want to start off with the, the first round and then we'll get into teams? Yeah, I think that's probably smart. Perfect. Okay, so just to give a brief breakdown, there were 12 teams within the draft. Um, I, you know, recruited 11 of my closest friends that I believe had decent enough basketball knowledge. Now, some definitely made me think twice for future <laughs> draft considerations, um, but it was 11 rounds, so that means everyone, every team could draft a starting five, and they could draft a bench spot and head coach. A lot of, and the, the strategy going in, we'll, we'll, take a, we'll take a little bit to talk about Cade's strategy specifically, um, but they went player heavy, and then those last couple rounds were coach heavy. Um, we saw people like Larry Brown, Doc Rivers, um, I know Casey Jones himself, and I want to say Rick Carlisle, which was your selection, Cade, um, towards the back end. Was there a strategy going into the draft or you were just going with the flow and then you'll just take best available? So my, I kind of thought, I think in like an all-time NFL draft, you want to get your coach probably as early as possible because that sets the tone. I feel like for especially like an all-time team like this, your coach doesn't matter so much. Like the, there's not so much differentiation between the top 12 guys. Um, and I knew that since I was going to have the last pick of the draft, that if I didn't take a coach in one of the earlier rounds, I was going to have the very last pick of coach, which I was pretty okay with. So I yeah. came in pretty much expecting to take a coach with the last pick unless something crazy happened. Like I could get Popovich in like the, like the ninth or 10th, which didn't right. happen. It's kind of like a quarterback in a fantasy football draft. If you don't take those one or two guys, maybe you can sneak something in good for value towards the back end. Why waste? I'm trying to think like on a fantasy football level. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the, the equal, uh, what is equ uh, equated to. Um, and then two last things before we get into it. One, are you surprised we completed this draft because we failed to complete the NFL version of it? I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm actually more surprised it took so long. Like for okay. the NFL draft, there's so many positions. There's so many players. There's so much like stuff you have to look into for the NBA. Like, I could probably name most everybody on this list, like maybe not in this exact order, but like everyone would come up. Like I'm surprised people would take so long to make their picks. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so the good news about this and by and the good news about breaking down this is we don't have to, you know, for the people listening at home, whoever that might be, we don't have to specifically give so much detail as to who picked who. They could always follow along because they have the full draft versions of it. So we, we don't have to be like, well, Johnny went this, this, and that, and then listed down. Um, yeah. So the first round, is there any thoughts aside from the obvious you're going to talk about, but is there any thoughts about that first round draft selection um, or the first round as a whole that you were surprised with? Any, any thoughts, notes, break it down for me. 
so first obvious easy money layup observation is I and no disrespect intended but Kobe probably should not have gone three in my mind okay um, he's he's versatile which I think is a benefit but I feel like I would have rather had some of the other guys in the first round instead um like I personally might have looked at like Kevin Durant or if I wanted to build around a center Shaq Kareem uh, Magic even Larry Bird so I'm kind of surprised he went so early but it, this was so soon in the wake of his death that's kind of like respect it was um the other Probably thing that you would take Kevin Durant I just really Especially for a player like KD who was drafted so late in that first round yeah I just really value especially in the early rounds like flexibility like because you don't really know who's going to fall to you in later rounds so you want someone that like you can pick and not be worried that you're going to be shoehorned into doing something later on. Like if you okay. pick a center in the first round, you, you, and you pick another center in the first three or four rounds, you've lost enormous value, I think. So you want to get like the most flexible lineup you could pick. I feel like. Were you shocked? And I know this is a softball question this is what we call softball questions in the business. Were you shocked with the selection of Tracy McGrady at number seven overall? I was, I was shocked. Um, I really like Tracy McGrady. And it's funny, I was thinking that, like, Tracy McGrady is at the same time by some people so overvalued, that'd probably be me, and then undervalued by others. But I really didn't think, one, he deserves As a whole or at number seven? As, I just, I wouldn't have taken him at seven. I wouldn't have taken right. him in the first round. Um, so that was a definite, like, overpay. But mm -hmm. I do think that his peak is, is, underrated by a lot of people in general right and especially his whole career those houston rockets teams him and yao ming definitely like it's the it's the, the typical houston first round exit definitely has his place as being someone that's should get drafted in an all-time draft i don't think in the first three rounds maybe third depending on who was selected it's funny i like he picked tracy mcgrady in the first round and barkley in the second I think he got third round value in the first and then first round value in the second. Were you surprised to see the run on big men from the four through eight spot with DJ going Shaquille O'Neal, Charlie going Kareem. I went a bigger guard in magic Johnson. Um, and then Jacoby at number eight going Wilt Chamberlain at the, we saw like in, in terms of trends in a draft, um, those paint dominated rebound dominated positions. Um, was definitely a focal point for those teams in the first round, especially in that bounce back with Ty taking Tim Duncan and Bill Russell, and then you taking Hakeem Olajuwon. It wasn't very guard focused. I think that it's kind of like if you're doing a fantasy football draft and someone takes a tight end, suddenly everyone needs to grab a tight end because you don't want to miss out. Like right. if you don't end up with a good center. And so, and like, if we're thinking in a theoretical head to head matchup and I don't have Hakeem and someone's got, like Kareem or Wilt or somebody, they're just going to dunk on me all game and there's nothing you can do. So once someone gets like a nuclear option big man or like bigger guard, you've got to find some like counter to that on your lineup. Right. And you did a really good job balancing big, a big man with a small guard. Yes. And it wasn't like you didn't go back to back small guards, back to back big man. You went Hakeem and Steph. Because once you do two of anything, you are like locked into those, like, since you were taking 10 guys, theoretically you have two-ish of every position. 
Um, so I never wanted to pick two of the exact same guy at the same position. And then mm -hmm. like, if I could find a good value at that position later, be locked out. Cause I was already set. Taking a look at the first three rounds before we get into the team breakdown, was there a like, Holy cow, how did he last this long? This is a steal of the draft within the first three rounds or everybody relatively fit the mold um, of, or I don't know if that's the proper saying, uh, fit the correct um, analysis of what round they should be taking in. And I don't know. I'm, I'm just curious. I'll say this out loud. You can't scroll on the spreadsheet, right? It's only me. No, but I've got it open in a tab so I can. Oh, you got it open. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I think that it's, I don't think I would have let Charles Barkley go that far. Uh, I don't think I would have let. You think Charles Barkley fell or was taken too early? I think he fell. Um, okay. If you're if you're thinking of things from like a modern standpoint and you play Barkley at like a small ball five, you've got this guy, tenacious defender, can run the break. He'd essentially be like Draymond if Draymond was actually good. No, I'm not kidding. I'm kidding. But like, it's that's, a Draymond on steroids, um, which that's, I think that's, has that's been a trend on Twitter. The Draymond slander does not take any rest. No, it doesn't. I mean, when you look like that and he, you talk the way he does, like you kind of invite it, but he can take it. So like, yeah, a hundred percent. Um, I don't want to. I don't know. It's not a big problem. I just don't want the feedback. Um, especially I don't want you to get uh, pissed. Not not at me or just in general when you're listening to the feedback. I think your microphone. You sound like distorted for like a couple seconds at a time. Is there? I I, I don't. I think you you can't hear the feedback of yourself, but it's no. just like a tiny bit distorted. Um, I don't know if it was like a. You think it's like a Wi-Fi or like a. Uh, I assume that is my two brothers are trying to play Fortnite and NBA 2K online, so we got a little bit of a strained Wi-Fi. A strained uh, Wi-Fi. Okay, I don't know if it was a microphone thing with the jack, but it seems like everything. Yeah, if that happens, just let me know. I can repeat myself. Okay. Okay. I definitely will. Um, all right. Well, let's get into the breakdown team by team. All right. So team one. There's only so much I can say about him because he is still technically my boss. Um, Abbas Dahawala, <laughs> who is the head of Radio DePaul Sports, our fearless general manager. So his team goes as following. He has Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dirk Nowitzki, Anthony Davis, and Damian Lillard routing out his starting five with Gary Payton, Luol Deng, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Mitch Richmond coming off the bench. And they are headed by Eric Spolstra. So aside from the glaring gap at the starting point guard position, is there any, any thoughts about this team overall with the number one, uh, number one pick for a boss? I loved this team. Loved uh, this team. Well, hold on. Let me finish. Through okay. the first six rounds. Through six rounds, this was one of my contenders for the best team. And then okay. taking Luol Dang, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge back to back to back, I feel like any one of those guys, even any two of those guys would be, would be fine. But I just think that's an uninspiring end to the draft. Uh, right. I think if he, he started off strong, he started off very strong. Like obviously we know what MJ and Scotty can do together. Dirk's a bit of defensive or a bit weak defensively, but like he can shoot the lights out and paired with Anthony Davis. Like you can kind of hide his deficiencies. And then Dame Lillard and Gary Payton, you either get, the shooting you need or the defense you need, depending on what exactly you're looking for in any given game. Maybe both. Maybe both. Exactly. Like you could play a, you could play a small ball. I like to look at who guys could play in like a small ball lineup. You could do Peyton Lillard, Jordan Pippen, Dirk or Davis. And that is like, that's a killer team. Right. Um, but then like 
dang, maybe I'm a bit biased. Like, I don't love his game. He kind of got run into the ground by Thibodeau. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, I guess he had a couple good bright spots in, in his Chicago Bulls career. And I'm not questioning the fact that he doesn't deserve his place in an all-time draft. But does he deserve a spot in an all-time NBA franchise draft? I, if he went in, like, rounds 9, 10, 11, I'm probably praising it as a great pick. But just when he took it, like, he could have gotten Joe Dumars, who I love as a player. He could have right. gotten Chris Webber, who I love. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there was just so much meat left on the bone with that pick, I feel like, that it, it kind of put a damper on his team for me. Okay. That's, a f- that's, that's fair. Do you have any opinion about the Eric Spolstra pick? Uh, I was actually hoping Spolstra – I knew it wasn't going to happen because there was presumably Heat fans in a mostly Florida draft, but I really like Spolstra as a coach, and if anyone's going to get the most out of this team, it's him. Gotcha. I think I think he's very underrated in terms of all-time NBA coaches. I I agree, and I think that if you're looking for a head coach, you want you want two things really. You want personality management who can get like a locker room to like buy in and like mesh, or at least like tolerate each other. And you want X's and O's. And from his time running the like not so good Heat teams, you see the X's and O's, and obviously he uh, he kept D Wade, LeBron, Bosh together, which I think is a big. Uh, credit to his Important. skills as a coach. Right. All right. So, arguably, your lesser half, John McCurdy, what, it was uh, selected with the second overall pick, and his team is LeBron James, David Robinson, Moses Malone, George Gervin, and Walt Frazier, Chuck Daly as his head coach, and then his bench is Russell Westbrook, Bernard King, Pete Maravich, Arvidas Sabonis, and Sidney Moncrief. So, any uh, any thoughts about one John McCurdy as a whole. You ch- oh, John McCurdy as a whole. Um, great guy. <laughs> arguably, arguably not so great a brother. No, I'm kidding. He's a <laughs> he's a wonderful brother. Fantasy uh, football owner. Eh, we'll see. Eh, trash talker tier one though. Yeah, tier I'm one. Two K skills matched with the best. Yeah, I was gonna say, choose your words carefully, Jake, or he's gonna take you up on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, tier one two K player as well. So his uh, his team. From the looks of it, definitely a big lineup, a bigger lineup, especially with LeBron James. He has, ten, you know, theoretically speaking, fantastic pick. I love the Moses Malone pick, and I was hoping he fell to me. But arguably, you know, for the purpose of this argument, David Robinson and Moses Malone are both centers, and he has them definitely in that front court. Um, and then with LeBron James, George Gervin, and then Walt Frazier with Chuck Daly. Any, any overall thoughts about his team? Um, you know, you know, uh, that I think it's a Shakespeare play. Um, and in King Richard, uh, he says a horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. That is how I feel about John's team, except with shooters. I def- uh, I never knew that you were capable of hopping on a podcast with very little notice, rocking a Duke Jersey. We're going to talk in length about basketball. If we needed to switch to politics, we could in a heartbeat and to drop Draymond Twitter references, and then all of a sudden it's Shakespearean quotes, you're really a jack of all trades. I'm a true Renaissance man, Jake. What can I say? <laughs> but he does, he definitely lacks shooters, unless Pete Maravich is willing to p- uh, play 40 minutes. Here, here's my take on this team. I, at eat in a vacuum, if you told me John selected each guy he took at the pick, he took him, I'd say, oh, great value, great pick. Getting LeBron in the first, great. David Robinson in the late second, great. Late Getting second. Moses Malone in the third, great.
great. But the problem is, if you have LeBron, you want to put as many shooters around him as possible. Yes. Um, so if I was him, and you could go back and you could redo the whole thing, he should have taken Dirk in the second round. And that's and he he the good part is he recognizes that mistake, and he has told me personally um, that that was the downfall of his draft. Oh yes, no he he sh- once he did that, there wasn't really much he could do to salvage it because in like looking at it. Say well, he, well, I don't think he. I don't think he would have thrown the whole draft down the toilet. I mean, obviously, looking back at a broad scheme, or like a bigger picture, obviously, yes, that's where he went wrong. That's where you couldn't salvage it. But I, I want to say you're saying that based off of who he took, there was a couple people around that area where if he would have taken, you know, like I don't know how the draft would have went. I don't know if he took. I don't know if John Stockton went before or after George Gervin. But there's a couple people. If he started off LeBron James, David Robinson, and Moses Malone, me and you could fix that draft to where it's a pretty darn good team. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm pleased with how his team works out. I think this is the most underrated of the teams. Um, but I think that, and I think Arvidas Sabonis in the tenth. I almost took him in like the eighth. I think he's great value too. I had to recommend that. I got to the point in those last three rounds where I was recommending players because those owners took way too long taking a long, you know, taking like a meta world piece. And if sometimes, um, you, you know, the, I'll, I'll put this reference, you reference Shakespeare, I'll reference another uh, work of art, you know, the league, you remember the, the OT of course, league? you know, when, um, who was Sophia's brother, the, uh, the one that was Harry, he was kind of disgusting. Oh, Rafi, Rafi. Rafi. You know how Rafi at the, at the Vegas draft, he was just flinging names on the board. He was like, yeah, who's this? And then flings it off. Yeah, that's when I look at Charlie's team with Meta World Peace. That's what I take as like a I don't know, uh, sure, whatever, and then fling that name. <laughs> I know his name. I'll put him on there. Who were struggling? So I remember telling J Mac, takes a bonus. It's a good pick. Now yeah. I will give him compliments. Every team and and just about every draft has a. How on earth did he last that long? I totally forgot about him. And that was the Pete Maravich pick. I thought oh. Pete got taken a couple rounds earlier. I probably would have selected him if I knew he was available. One of the skills to this is like coming up with people and then being able to figure out if they've been taken or not. Because I think I too, at what point was like, Pete Maravich, he's still around. It's like, probably not, not worth it. Uh, I'll look into something else. Right. Um, I just think if you replace either of David Robinson or Moses Malone with Dirk, John's team looks a lot better and he might be on this podcast instead of me. (laughs) Um, but I really like the Moses Malone pick just not on his team I like the David Robinson pick just not in conjunction with all the other factors you know you're not on the podcast just because you won right I I didn't ask you just because you're the winner oh no no I'm kidding but you never know (laughs) I was gonna say man if I picked if I picked winners if I picked winners for seasons or drafts can you imagine how how uninspiring the podcast would be with Andrew to recap his championship run oh yeah Apefish talking about his draft yeah uh... I don't know. Googled good football players. Took that guy. I don't know what I did. He's going to hop on for three minutes and be like, I don't know what I did. I have frat business to take care of. Let me go back and get back. He's going to mention his favorite uh, big time rush songs and then he'll be dipping. Uh, That's the A fish guarantee. All right. So Jack Dragon at the third spot. uh, Again, talking about teams with strong starts to the draft. His team is as followed. Kobe Bryant, Julius Irving, Patrick Ewing, John Stockton, Elvin Hayes, Alex English, Kevin Johnson, Richard Hamilton, Tim Hardaway, Casey Jones, and Rashid Wallace. I have to give Jack credit. Um, he is a smart man who he knows his basketball. But 
I did not think he was capable of putting together this good of a team. He has a really, really solid team. Uh, there is no weak link on this team. And he kept doing a thing where – Aside I, from Kobe Bryant at three. Yeah, of course. Uh, terrible guy to pick. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but what would always happen is I would pass on a guy, and then I think he would, he would snag him with his next pick. Like, uh, he took Alex English in the sixth, and I was really hoping he was going to fall to me in the next round. Okay. Um, and then Sheed, I, I really thought about Sheed because he gives you – I think if Rasheed Wallace came into the NBA and call it 2012, his career plays out – like, he already had a good career. I'm not saying he didn't. But I think he'd be a multiple-time all-star and sniffing third and second team NBAs. Because he's a prototypical small ball center in that he's not particularly small, so he can play center. Is and there then a guy you would compare him to in today's NBA? Um, he'd be like, he'd be like Porzingis if Porzingis wasn't a like a giraffe. Yeah, seven. Yeah, if Porzingis wasn't seven two. Like Rashid, Rashid can play make a little bit. He plays really solid defense, and he can stroke threes. Um, so I think, go ahead. No, as you say, so you're saying Rashid Wallace is ahead of his time, or he was yes. ahead of his time in his career? He, yes. I oh, think if he comes into the NBA today, he's shooting five, six threes a game, and he's opening the floor up. So you would definitely agree with the fact that it is a national travesty. Luol Deng was selected ahead of Rashid Wallace. Oh, yeah. If you put Rashid Wallace on that team instead of Luol Deng, like I thought about taking Rashid Wallace probably four or five different times. It's like I could get him a, another round later, and I probably don't need another center. Um but I, I really like that pick. And then he's just got – he's got a, a bunch of, like, competitors. Like, I love Stockton, love Ewing, love uh, love Dr. J. Um, Rip Hamilton's obviously stud. Tim Hardaway is a stud in a way his son very much is not. Like, I just really like his team. It's, it's a – from top to bottom, it's very solid. There's no pick I can point out and be like, he could have gotten someone better there. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Do you have any issue – with him choosing Julius Irving over guys like David Robinson, Scottie Pippen, Dirk, Moses, kind of like on that bounce back. So my, what I would say is. Or even Kawhi Leonard. um, He got stuck in the problem of he took Kobe first and he took Dr. J second, which neither pick is bad in a vacuum. But now that you've taken two guys who play on the wing, you can't, stock up on a third wing that early probably you've got to diversify a little bit so he was kind of shoehorned the rest of the way into filling out the roster in ways he might not have if he had picked even Kobe if he picked Kobe and David Robinson or Moses Malone there um if he picked Kobe and like a pure point guard like he kind of he kind of locked himself into his strategy very early on which I don't know if that's wise and then I'm trying to think if there's any other notes about that team overall strong doesn't know it's, it's it's no like wow picks but really good especially that starting five he he has a really good if you put in the starting four of Stockton Ewing Irving Bryant the starting four you can put any of the other guys on this team in at the fifth slot and it will make sense which I think is a testament to team building okay yeah fair enough all right the next team DJ Morell. He went Shaquille O'Neal and Dwayne Wade, Kawhi Leonard, Steve Nash, Paul Gasol, Paul George, Joe Dumars, Rajon Rondo, Al Horford, Mark Gasol, and head coach Larry Brown. Um, from the looks of it, I and this probably the only thing that 
just bothers me about the team. I'm not in love with the Pau Gasol pick. Great player on those two championship Lakers teams. Very solid overall career. But a starting power forward, I just don't know if that's going to scare anybody. Same thing with Steve Nash. Love Steve Nash. And I'm, you know, MVP of the league, one of the best, you know, facilitators the game is about, you know, that the game of basketball has ever seen. But pound for pound, going up against point guards like Isaiah Thomas, Steph Curry, John Stockton, like how much does Steve Nash make your team separate from the pack? So I, I see both of those criticisms and I agree. I agree. Mm. I really like both Nash and Gasol. And the problem they always have is there's some people who just don't respect their games. I think the Nash pick is, is very defensible on this team because you've got a bunch of guys who aren't necessarily creators outside of, uh, outside of Rondo, but he's not in your starting five. Like if you have Nash, that opens things up for Kawhi to like get the ball where he wants it to be. Cause he's not really a passer until this year. Um, Wade is like obviously a great initiator, but not necessarily a great playmaker. Like someone I consider to be Shaq. Someone needs to get him the ball in the post. Uh, but Powell and Nash together bring like a playmaking splash. Right. Uh, so I like that in the con- like uh, within the confines of this team. The thing that's interesting to me is if I had Shaq, he's kind of another guy where you build around him the same way you build around LeBron. Like you want shooters around him to just get people out of his way. Um, and I think outside of the Wade pick, which I mean, we've seen, seen them work on Miami. Like, I think he did a very good job of putting guys who can stroke the ball around him to just let Shaq go to work. Right. Um, not in love with rounding out his draft. I love Larry Brown as a head coach, not a fan of him rounding out as Al Horford and Marcus Sol. It just doesn't do anything that grabs like value. Those are his worst two picks, I think. Yes. Um, Especially three centers on a team. You really only need two centers. Uh, right. And with Powell, even, you might only need one because they could spell each other. I, I would uh, assume he's banking on the fact that you could put Paul George, Joe Dumars at that shooting guard, small forward hybrid. Yeah. Um, and I really like – I was a little bit sad he took Joe Dumars. He's a guy I think really had a great career and is not – like if you say you're, the best player on your team is Joe Dumars, it's like, okay – Mm-hmm. But if you say the worst player on my team is Joe Dumars, I'm like, oh, wow. Um, like, okay. that's a great guy to have coming off your bench uh, right. in, any, in any form. Any opinion about um, – and I get the trend of it. Any opinion about – and I know we already said we, we disagreed with Kobe at three. Shaquille O'Neal over Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? You can make a case that for uh, – from, like, 1999 to 2003 to five Shaq was when he wanted to be the most dominant player in the NBA, um, like dead or alive. Um, so I don't, I don't hate it. I think I it's, hate the Shaquille O'Neal pick. Yeah. I think it's a really, a real personal choice, but my problem with the pick would be if you pick Shaq that, and this is something I've been talking about, like I value versatility. You pick Shaq, your team has to look and play a certain way. Otherwise, like it's not going to work. Whereas if you pick Kareem, you can kind of put whoever the heck you want around Kareem and your team is going to make sense and work out okay. Because um, I, know, I know this is just names on a page and we'll never see them play together. But Kareem has 
like not as big of an ego as Shaq, and so that could cause problems. That's fair. Um, I think that DJ would have separated himself from the pack and maybe even challenged you. Now, obviously, the rest of the draft I disagree with from that point on, um, mm-hmm. just because of like the Horford Gasol pick, um, and the yeah, the two Gasol picks and Al Horford I don't agree with. But if he would have started off with Shaquille O'Neal, Dwayne Wade, Kawhi, and if he went, in my personal opinion, if he went John Stockton over Steve Nash, I think we would have started having the debate of, okay, DJ's probably going to be the front runner in this draft, and he has a chance to solidify himself as the best team. I think that's, I think that's very fair. And I think if you put Stockton in there, he can throw out probably one of the best defensive fives of anyone where he puts in Stockton, who's one of the best defensive point guards, Wade, who's one of the best defensive shooting guards, Kawhi and Paul George, you could say, are the best defensive small forwards of this era. Um, you put in Shaq at, at center, and then you pick kind of anyone you want at power forward. It's not really going to matter. And you're, that's a, stat, a like a, a very stout defense. And I and right like you said, I know this is all names on a paper. I don't believe it would go over well when Larry Brown would have to explain to Al Horford why he does why he's not getting any playing time. I think if we're talking about ego, if we bring egos into it, having yeah. Larry Brown, a coach on a team, a coach of a team with Shaq, Paul George, Rondo, Al Horford could be cause for disaster. Well, I, I, you think Al Horford? Uh, I don't think Al Horford. I think Al Horford would understand with this specific lineup, but Larry Brown and, and Rondo, they're either going to be best friends That's or true. one will be dead. It's, it's by the Rondo Carlisle thing. Yeah. Like, you think Carlisle's a taskmaster? Like, Larry Brown, Yeah. like, yeah, just... Larry kinda... Brown had Allen Iverson. He's, he's good to go. Yeah. Um, I don't know if... They, well, the good news is, you would think Kawhi Leonard would try to help Shaq with that whole ego, trying to be a part of the team. Like, Kawhi would have none of it from day one. Yes, yeah. Um, and I think that from most of these guys, Shaq aside and maybe Rondo aside we have seen all of these guys willing to sacrifice for yes. a winning team. Um, Shaq, you can say that when he was like older and less good. So I don't really know if that counts, uh, but like still uh, sacrifices were made by a lot of these guys. So maybe, maybe it's, it'll, it would be fine. The fifth team in this draft by Radio DePaul's own Charlie Bevins, I'm surprised did not get as much love as I would have given it. Um, his team, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Isaiah Thomas, the Piston, not the Celtic, Kevin McHale, Clay Thompson, Adrian Dantley, Steve Kerr, Kyle Korver, Dikembe Mutombo, Zion Williamson, Meta World Peace, and Derrick Rose. Uh, Derrick Rose in the last round was definitely of, oh, I thought he got selected early, earlier than the last round. I probably would have taken him if I knew he was still available. Um, I know he is banking on the fact that Zion Williamson becomes an all-time great. I know the jury is still out on that one. Um, but overall, I like the Steve Kerr pick, but I would be, and I know it's probably never going to happen aside from maybe the next couple of years, depending on how the landscape of the NBA changes. I wonder how he would do as a head coach of a team, you know, and no, you know, this isn't a rip on him because I do love Steve Kerr as a coach individual, you know, the whole nine yards. I wonder what he would do as a head coach of an NBA team that didn't have, arguably the greatest offense of all time with Kevin Durant, uh, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson. 
Um, but his team is relatively balanced. I'm just not in love with his depth, but his starting five, I think, is really good. I think his starting five is really good. And I like Mutombo, Williamson, Meta World Peace, D Rose coming off the bench. Having Kyle Korver, like, I'm like conflicted. I can't tell if this is a good pick or a bad pick because, like, you take Kyle Korver, you. say you're taking out Clay Thompson, you put in Kyle Korver, you've lost on the defensive end, but you're not losing any shooting or spacing. But at the same time, like, there wasn't anyone better you could get to fit in that slot. Like, there isn't someone else that could give you maybe not as much shooting, but more of everything else. Like, maybe I'm underrating Kyle Korver. The people that were selected, I think I did this correctly in terms of the snake, the people that were selected around him that could provide maybe more scoring than Kyle Korver is like a Rick Barry Jason Tatum, Kyrie, Penny Hardaway, Devin Booker. Like, you put Penny Hardaway there. Like, you put even Devin Booker, who I'm not 100% sold on, like, is still probably an upgrade over Kyle Korver. Like, I feel like he's one of those guys you grab in the in the 12th, or how many rounds we have, 11? Like, the 11th as, like, your last, last, last guy. I feel like it was a real reach to take him there. But this is... Yeah. I'm surprised as well that this team didn't give any love because I, I think this is a very, as well, another solid team. And I have to remind myself that this is all everybody in their prime and how much of a great player Ron Artest was. If you take, like, if you take, and in, 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 uh, this draft is all time in their prime, everybody, like, won their best individual season. Ron Artest as a pacer, great defensive player um, and really solid pick. I understand I'm going to use your term, the whole like in the, in a vacuum, obviously, you know, seventh round, ninth round, Kyle Korver, I don't understand. In terms of a team as a whole, I'm not opposed to him coming off the bench as a pure shooter. I'm, I'm also not opposed. Like I, he's like, I'm not opposed. I don't agree. I don't agree with the round selecting, especially if you, you know, to compare teams and great teams um, I definitely don't under, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take Kyle Korver, but for that team, if you, if, if I showed you that team without telling you what order everybody got selected in, I'd probably be like, yeah, Kyle Korver is a really good pick. If you show me this team and don't, and you just sort it by position, you don't say where everyone's taken. I probably assume he's your last pick. You took yeah. D Rose where you took him. And I say, oh, that's a really yeah. like smart thing to do. Yeah. Maybe uh, if you swapped where Korver and Rose were selected, it would make sense. Yeah, the one problem is that, like, my one problem with this team is the shooting could be a problem. Could. Like, Clay and Corver aren't – I don't know how much of a shooter Adrian Dantley was. I, I don't know about Dantley off the top of my head. Like, I know he could score. I just don't know if it was, like, by threes or how it was done. Can I go but, wake up my dad, maybe ask him? Like, give him yeah. Hey, was Adrian, Adrian Dantley a good shooter? Could he shoot? Uh, but, like – like, no one here, Clay and Corver aside, really, like, can drill outside shots at a high clip. So I'm afraid, like, this might be, like, John's team's, like, wet dream where you can park <laughs> David Robinson and Moses down low and just yeah. dare people to, like, come in there. If we uh, schedule Charlie and Johnny's team as a first-round matchup, then it would be interesting. Uh, if we schedule those two teams, John might sweep poor Charlie, even though I feel like yeah. in terms of talent, they're comparable. But I just think John, like, 
that allows John to play his best five players at the same time. There's not much Charlie can do about it. Okay. Um, yeah, so, but I like the team. It would really just come down to the to the shooting, and like that's a more glaring weakness than some of the other teams have had. Um, you agree with my analysis about Steve Kerr as a head coach in terms of an all time? I I agree. Um, I think he's he. I think we'll know a lot more about him as a coach if he ever leaves Golden State or if the makeup of Golden State ever drastically changes. Like right. we've only seen him. Like, first of all, props to him for seeing what Mark Jackson somehow couldn't and, like, taking two all-time great shooters yeah, and making a, like, a motion, like, space-based offense. But at the same time, like, I feel like that wasn't that hard of a thing to figure out. So I'd be interested to see what he does with the teams that are less talented. Maybe I should throw that argument out of the window and just applaud the pick because of that, that 2015 finals, the first Golden State title. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, yeah, he did some great coaching. The team, I don't think Golden State was head above heels compared to the Cleveland Cavaliers team. I know, you know, you can, I know for him as a head coach, you can make the argument, oh, first year Kyrie was hurt, second year they blew a 3-1 lead, then they got KD, and like how great is he as a head coach. But that first Warriors team, and you're right, especially taking what Mark Jackson couldn't do, um, and I thought what he did was um, – you know, I think he definitely deserves a spot for the all-time head coach. By the way, I know we never made a list, and I would probably have to do a big rundown in terms of the best players not selected on this draft. I definitely think of uh, – definitely, I don't believe Mark Jackson was not selected not probably as, more as a player rather than a head coach. True. Um, no John Starks. True. I want to say no. I don't think Glenn Rice was selected. Glenn Rice was a pretty good pick. And then who was – um, I want to say there's one guy on uh, – uh, uh, he played for UNLV, and I believe he played for either the Hornish or, like, the Knicks. I oh, no. um, Bill Simmons loves that guy. Is it, like uh, – let me, let me look up some UNLV NBA players. Was it a – John? it wasn't a Johnson, was it? It's not Greg Anthony. I forget who the guy was. Uh, oh, you're looking for, uh, for Anthony Bennett, first overall pick? <laughs> <laughs> Are you thinking of Larry Johnson? Larry Johnson. Larry yeah. Johnson wasn't selected. And I want to say um, there was – I know Mug, no Muggsy Bogues, no Del Curry, which is a national travesty. Um, of course. But there were some good players that weren't selected, and especially like those, those 90 teams. You know who I was surprised wasn't picked, considering this is a modern bias draft for sure. Like, yes. Uh, it's like the rap, picked. the rap draft where Jasmine took Jack Harlow, and you're sitting there saying, why is there no public enemy selected? Exactly. Same thing. Um, I'm surprised that even considering the modern bias, Lamar Odom did not warrant a pick as well. Uh, That's um, interesting. Like a Lamar Odom, who, as Stephen A. Smith famously said, was on crack, but like non-crack Lamar Odom was pretty good and was like a crucial component for those Lakers finals teams, I thought. Jalen uh, Rose is a, is a name that, that was not selected, that was not taken. I realized that probably – a couple picks into the end of the 10th when I knew I wasn't going to get any more players. And I realized Jalen Rose had not been picked. And I do think that's kind of interesting. That is interesting. All right. So this is the part of the podcast I had feared for the most is when you provide a critical breakdown of my team, but my team goes as follows. I have Magic Johnson, Kevin Garnett, Clyde Drexler, Reggie Miller, 
We're led by Greg Popovich. I have John Havlicek, Chris Weber, Robert Parrish, Bob Cousy, Alonzo Mourning, and David Thompson. And I want to put this as a, as a, obviously I'm preaching to the choir here. You know, the uh, results speak for themselves. I'm in love with every single selection on this team. Um, you know, I, the one, the one point I do want to make is I do believe I have the best head coach of all time in Greg Popovich. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Popovich has done more in finding talent and using talent than Phil Jackson. I think it's easy, easier if you're comparing it, obviously it's not easy to manage all the egos and I'll give him credit for that, but I think it's easier to coach with Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, you know, compared to Greg Popovich. The only thing I will say is if I knew I wasn't going to get him because everyone did take a run on centers, I love the Robert Parrish selection so late in the draft as my starting center because I knew he was going to stick around for all that time. I think I knew I was going to get him when I took Clyde Drexler. So I was like, all right, let me just take guys like John Havlicek and Chris Weber before I take my starting center. But uh, the, the floor is yours for my, my team. Well, let me ask you two things. Who do you, who do you think your best pick is considering when you got them? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, would that, say, I would say it's Parrish just because if I took my starting center in the eighth round and I believe Robert Parrish's resume is relatively you know, successful and I think it's relatively good being that center on those Celtics teams in the 80s. Yeah. And you could also make the argument uh, John Havlicek and Chris Webber are pretty good picks. And then who do you think is your worst pick? Considering Not a whole lot of people love Clyde Drexler and Reggie Miller compared to other people. Um, I wasn't in love with the David Thompson pick, but it was scraping the bottom of the barrel at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing is like, I, and obviously I'm not looking to score points here, but I don't believe, you know, obviously the, and I'll say, I'll say this, the popular team in this draft was Mo. And the reason why the popular team in that draft was Mo is because it's Kevin Durant and AI and Giannis and Ray Allen and Dwight Howard. And if you took a look at like, if you talk to like a casual NBA fan, they'd be like, Oh my God, you have KD and AI and Giannis. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I don't believe I'm convincing a lot of people that my team is the best team. If I don't under, and I know you will appreciate it guys like, you know, my dad, maybe Johnny and, you know, and they will appreciate it, but I don't know how many people will appreciate from a casual standpoint, John Havlicek, Bob Cousy, Robert Parrish, you know, David Thompson, like, like stuff like that. It's, it's, it's old heads, not as much as old heads as Sherrod's team, but it's older, especially like Clyde Drexler. Um, have you ever watched when like the inside the NBA guys, plus a couple guests drop their all-time team? Yes. And do you know which team wins? I know who, what team won that draft. Well, you know who the GM one was? It was, Steve, it was Steve Kerr. Yeah, so Steve Kerr wins it. And so they announce it, maybe at the All-Star game, they announced it like live somewhere. Right. Um, and he was talking about how he didn't think he had the best team, but he thought he had the team that the most casuals were going to vote for, Right, is what he said. And I think that that was something every, I don't know if everyone took this into consideration, but while I was drafting my team, I was like, will other people respect this player who I know is a good great player but played a while ago and so that was my fear for yes. Sean Marion I think Sean Marion <laughs> in the ninth I've talked about this with you at length over text but I think getting Sean Marion in the ninth was an absolute coup um, 
And so that was my, my question about Bob Cousy, because Bob Cousy has a really great basketball resume, yes. but he played, he might be the player on this draft who played the longest to go. I'm not, I don't know off the top of my head if that's um, might be. Him and Havlicek probably the same time, but you are correct, yes. Um, and so to get him, like, his resume, his credentials, unimpeachable, but you run into, like, the, the Twitter berries who are like, hey, he, he was a mailman. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I figured he deserved a pick. I started thinking about him around six or seven, but I was like, I, it's not going to be me who takes him, but I'm interested to see where he goes. I really like your team. Um, I, I appreciate pretty- that. I think pound for pound, I can respect your team being the best. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, my team is head above heels number one. I think that if this was a bracket, 12 teams, I, I'm convinced I have a top four team. Um, you would make noise. And you have this nightmare lineup where you could play uh, Magic, like Garnett, one of Drexler and Miller, uh, Weber, and maybe even like Alonzo Morning and play a jumbo lineup that can actually like like work. Right. Uh, which I think is a very a very scary thing to have. Um, and yeah, you have- I think even as like a starting five of Magic Magic Johnson, we don't have to do a rundown of the pick, but Magic Johnson being a great point guard, arguably the best point guard in NBA history. Um, and if not, he's definitely second behind Steph Curry. Um, Kevin Garnett, I think from a defensive forward, just defense and trash talk and intimidator and just being on a hundred, he's on go. It's on site 24 seven for Kevin Garnett. Um, Clyde Drexler, as long as I don't have to play Michael Jordan's team, which I'm, I'm convinced I won't because of the Luol Deng pick. Mm-hmm. I think Clyde Drexler <laughs> is a fantastic selection. Reggie Miller just being a shooter. That's really all I need him to do is to be a bailout. If something happens, I need him to be a shooter. And then Robert Parrish, um, especially, and if, and you know, the playing time will vary, but if I have guys like Havlicek and I don't, th- I think Havlicek's undervalued, um, but like a Havlicek, C- Chris Weber, Bob Cousy morning off the bench, just be like that spark plug with Popovich. Um, I think it's a definitely solid team. I think of the fourth round, because I, I wanted Reggie Miller really, really bad on my team. I, I really did because he really fit the mold of, like, defensive player and shoot threes, very versatile, can kind of do whatever. I was hoping – I didn't think he would, but I was hoping he'd come back to me. He might be – I think my favorite picks of round four were Anthony Davis, uh, Miller, and uh, obviously my pick, James Worthy. I thought those were the best three picks. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe Paul Pierce, maybe – and I get you can make the argument of, well, what would happen if Bob Cousy played in today's NBA or what would happen if Allen Iverson was in Bob Cousy's NBA? Like, I get that. I, I would hope that guys like Havlicek, Parrish, and Cousy and, like, David Thompson would translate to, like, today's NBA. Good news is that yeah. this is an all-time franchise draft. I, and I've never made that clear. I don't know if that would have changed any pick. I don't know what era the game, you know, the games would be played. If I, yeah. I don't know if that matters. Um, I think it does kind of matter because I, I kind of assumed we're getting this league together. We're playing like today, but if you play this game, say, random year, nineteen eighty four, I think John's team would be terrifying to the people of nineteen eighty four 
as are not that everyone in 1984 knows the people on your team, but I think your team as well would be pretty terrifying back right. then. So uh, I would hope, so if, if it was today in 2019, I would respect the argument of my team isn't the best because if it's today's NBA, could you imagine Bob Cousy having to guard Steph Curry? Could you imagine John Havlicek having to guard LeBron James yeah. or James Harden? Like, I understand that. Um, also, I think that you picked a perfect team to not really even need a center until you did. Like, if you took only one of Parrish or Mourning, but still have Chris Weber and Kevin Garnett, like, both of those are huge guys who play yeah. stout D, like, Still not a huge concern on for me. There were some centers, though. Like, the centers were obviously, like, I, I think if – I was cool with that if they went early, then just to wait because I knew not a whole lot of people would have the, you know, wherewithal to take Alonzo Mourning or Robert Parrish in the yeah. last four picks. Um, I agree. And I, I thought about taking Alonzo Mourning myself much earlier, so I think he's a steal as well. I, yeah. I think you've got – you just got a lot – you don't really have a pick where I'm like, you could have gotten more value. Maybe yeah. the Havlicek pick, but I still like it. Like that would probably be it. Uh, Who was taken around Havlicek? Paul George, Alex English. Uh, uh, maybe like a, so I could have went, if I wanted to reach, if I was okay with not going Popovich, then you're right. Maybe I would have taken like a, I'm trying to think if there's any, like there's not a whole lot of good small forwards in that area. Maybe I maybe go early, not worry about Reggie Miller, or just put Reggie Miller at the sh uh, small forward spot. I get I get that though. Yeah, uh, but still, just a very, very solid team. A little old, quote unquote, as far as yeah. when players played, which is maybe some of the reason for the disrespect. Yeah, uh, but I, I. But you're right. I mean, that's f my youngest player is Kevin Garnett. Yes, so I <laughs> was not who's been out of the league and not been a, well, we'll call him not been a useful player since like 2013. Probably. Yeah. So I, I get that. Um, all right. Well, this is the lighthearted moment of the episode where we break down Julian Cheney's team. Um, and we get to provide ourselves with some comic relief. So Tracy McGrady, Charles Barkley, Jason Kidd, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, Amari Stoudemire, Brandon Ingram, Baron Davis, Bradley Beal, Willis Reed, Doc Rivers. Um, I'll use the Cade McCurdy term in a vacuum as a team. This isn't bad. Yes. Um, I think Amari Stoudemire is definitely underrated. Um, those Suns teams don't have success without him. I like the Jason Kidd pick. Um, Luka Doncic may turn out to be a really, really good player that only boosts his team. I'm just not in love with Tracy McGrady where it went. Nikola Jokic where it went, Brandon Ingram where he went, Baron Davis where he went. I think he did do well, especially for the people that were still on the board. Willis Reed and Doc Rivers, really good. Um, I'm um, surprised. It's so funny because I'm, if, you, if I would have told you that he would have went Jokic, Stoudemire, Ingram, Baron Davis, Bradley Beal, if you would have taken a guess as to what his last player would have been selected, I would have been like um, – Brent Barry, like I would, or like Matt Bonner, I would have just so, someone that's just like, like uninspiring. But Willis Reed was actually a pretty good pick. He, like, I see that I don't know Julian, never met him. I could not tell you what he looked like. Do you know by any chance Calbert Cheney? I don't think so. Indiana Hoosiers, Wally definitely will. Um, he was one of Bob Knight's best players in like the 90s. It's his kid. Okay. Okay. Um, I see that he has a basketball 
brain. Like I can see yes. how the pieces fit together. And I can see why he picked people he picked, but he just like, he got a lot of great value picks. I think Barkley's a great value pick. I think Stoudemire is a great value pick. I think Willis Reed is a great value pick. Um, yeah, Willis Reed's a great value pick. Maybe but, even Jason Kidd, I, I, depending on who was taken around. D- Jason Kidd isn't a horrible pick. Uh, Jason Kidd's a good pick. I'm not saying he's not, but I think that's more or less right about where he deserved to go. Yeah. Um, but a lot of heavy lifting of this team is left on Doncic, Jokic, and Ingram, and even Beal to an extent, to become like superstars. Because yeah, if they don't, like if Luca, not that he will, but let's say Luca remains essentially at the level he's at this whole time, as a fourth round pick, that's a waste of time. If Jokic <laughs> stays about here, like that's probably also a waste of time. And the thing I think about with Jokic, who I really like, I think Jokic is really underrated. Um, but if you, like, would I rather have Hakeem in the first or Jokic in the fifth? I'd still rather have Hakeem in the first. Like, that's yeah. his starting center. And he's going to have trouble guarding. He's probably going to get bullied by a lot of centers in this draft. Maybe the only starting center, and maybe I'm going to have to look at all the teams, but I think the only starting center that doesn't give Jokic enormous problems on the, like when he's on defense is Dwight Howard. Um, and I mean, Robert Parrish, but like any of your power forwards would give him trouble. And then on the defense, like when he's on offense now, Dwight Howard is still going to bully him, and he's still going to have trouble with a lot of these guys. So I just think that 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 was not a wise person to select at that like point. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I don't know. He just he just left a lot of meat on the bone. Like yeah, his bench is uninspiring. He doesn't like. I like his starting five. Aside from like I understand Doncic is the goal is for Doncic to become a superstar and I, I get that and so I'm trying to take that into account but like Jokic in the starting five kind of makes it puts a lot of pressure on a lot of on the other pieces um I don't know it's just a, a an uninspiring of the team so far he definitely laughed at the Tracy McGrady pick he saved himself by taking Barkley and Kidd and if we would have done a recap of the first three rounds it's not so bad that he took Tracy McGrady, Charles Barkley, Jason Kidd. There's a, you can, if I told you, if I told you, Hey, Kay McCurdy, what I'm going to do is a new concept for a draft strategy. Everyone's going to draft them. Normally I'm going to give you a handicap. Tracy McGrady, Charles Barkley, and Jason Kidd are going to be your first three picks work from there. You probably could have used that and would be like, all right, let's play with this. I can probably save the team. Yes. But then the minute he took Luca, I was like, okay, the rest of the draft's going to be a pain for him. Even, even Luca, I gave him the benefit of the doubt, considering like full, going forward, what Luca like the legacy he writes for himself. Like that pick has, that pick could age the best in the whole draft. Let's say. Yes. Whereas, but once he picked Jokic, once he, he picked like, Jokic, okay, that's fair. He hit the iceberg and the Titanic went down. I see this as someone who likes Jokic, but like that in conjunction with the other things he has done made the team untenable to me. That's fair. That's fair. Um, all right. And well, like Ingram was like really Brandon Ingram. Like, like I also say this is someone who likes Brandon Ingram. Yeah. I, it's a Duke, Duke player. Did you, did you pick Chris Weber before or after Brandon Ingram? I picked, let me see. I picked Chris Weber. Wait, I think you picked Chris Weber, then Brandon. Then, yes. I picked Weber. Then. Um, 
But let's if you look at the whole seventh round. I would have taken Rick Barry before I took Brandon Ingram. I think of everyone in the seventh round, I want I want uh Brandon Ingram the least. Okay. And there are guys in each of the other rounds that I would rather have instead of Brandon Ingram. Fair yeah, that's yeah, I I just never understood. And even Baron Davis, I, why? I, I like Baron Davis too. He's he's okay. Maybe not in that slot, but like I like Baron Davis. If this was ever a live actual draft, I know Doc Rivers would be sitting in the green room like, please not me, not me, like anyone <laughs> else, any other coach. Give this job to, you know, give this job to Ty Lue. Please not me. It's funny. I think every single one of his picks, aside from Jason Kidd, is either a tremendous value or a tremendous waste of value. And maybe Bradley Beal. But, like, getting Doc Rivers there uh, as the 10th head coach off the board, great value. Willis Reed in the last, quote-unquote, player round, great value. Um, Yeah, but he just made too many other mistakes, and they, they caught up to him. Now, let's give Julian credit here. I know this is just names on a paper. If this was a real life thing and there was an owner's meeting for the first couple games of the season and we got to actually see these teams compete, I would probably buy court courtside seats just to see what it looked like. Uh, this team? This team is the most entertaining to see of what could this actually be? This could be a train wreck or a holy cow. Who knew Nikola Jokic was going to pair so well with Tracy McGrady and Baron Davis? I think – I. If you say I can buy tickets to watch any of these teams, just this is a box office team. Opponent, I think this is the team. I think this is, I think <laughs> Bill Simmons calls it the league pass team. This is the league pass team. <laughs> this is the league pass team. You don't watch because you're attached, but like a Doncic to Jokic to Barkley lob sequence would be majestic. Or yeah. like Amari Stoudemire coming in and his leg disintegrating in the first four <laughs> minutes of play. And just watching, like, Doc Rivers, like, openly weeping on the sideline, I think this would be the team to watch. This is a box office team. This is – even the practices I would love to have access to. Oh, yeah. And you've got, like, Barkley, like, cursing out Tracy McGrady just for looking sleepy. And then you've got <laughs> Jokic coming into the season 20 pounds overweight and getting berated by Kid. And then you've got kids sleeping with everyone's wives. Like, just just <laughs> peak comedy. That is peak comedy. That's 100% I agree. Um, yeah, that's a good, not a great team, probably wouldn't win a lot of games, but for an all access pass, I would love to see the documentary that came out, that came out of this team. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Number eight with Jacoby Hardy, our eighth team on the board. Another team that I did not, that I was surprised did not get a lot of love. Wilt Chamberlain, Carl Malone, Jerry West, Paul Pierce, Phil Jackson, Manu Ginobili, Rick Barry, Tony Parker, Kevin Love, Wes Unseld and Sam Jones. He definitely raised some questions in the first three rounds. And we were definitely looking at his team like, well, you better get some shooters. But he did that perfectly with Paul Pierce, Manu, Tony Parker, uh, maybe even Rick Barry and Kevin Love. Um, Kevin Love is definitely a better shooting power forward than a post-heavy power forward. And it's relatively balanced. I wouldn't have – and honest to God, you may – he might have put together maybe the second best center power forward duo behind Tim Duncan and Bill Russell. I think that his team, we were talking about when the game takes place. If this team plays in like 1980, whatever year I said before, like 1984 or five, sure. you, your team 
his team, John's team are like the favorites, are like the heavy favorites in my mind. Right. But if you play today, like I just think that he there's not like West can you shoot the breakdown of this team. So like Chamberlain and Malone can't like Chamberlain, let's say he just can't shoot for the sake of argument, like really at all. Um, the mailman can shoot inside 12 feet, but not outside 12 feet. Jerry West can shoot the lights out. He didn't have a three point line, I think for most of his career, but he could shoot. Uh, if it like, if push games to shove today, Paul Pierce can shoot man who can shoot Rick Barry can shoot Tony Parker kind of same as Carl Malone. Like he's not drilling threes, but he's like fine. Um, I think he really, he really sold his team to me with the last, or with the Pierce to Parker or even Love stretch. Like, I think that's what makes this team a good team to me. Um, He's got a lot of flexibility. Uh, I think Manu is historically underrated just because he came off the bench for so long. I can't say I know much about Wes Unseld, so I can't really tell you much about the value of that pick. Um, I've heard great things from the Unseld family. Do you know any (laughs) Unselds out of the (laughs) Can't say I've even had a substitute teacher fail to to pronounce Unseld. It just never came (laughs) up. Um, But all of his other picks, like, I like them. I think he got good value. Yeah. Uh, He got good players. He got guys who... I don't have any players that I hate in this draft. In the draft total or in his draft specifically? In his, his draft. No, there's not one guy in his where I'm like, they could be a question mark. Like, they're guys, like, we're going to get to the the Mellow team. Um, and so, so like, Mellow is a guy where it's like, he's a scorer. His career probably didn't pan out the way it maybe could or should have. Um, but there's going to be locker room question marks. There's no one in his team where I'm like, they're going to tank a locker room besides <laughs> Tony Parker cheating on a teammate's wife. Outside yeah. of that, and, like, he still wins. Like, he's a consummate professional outside of sleeping around. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly arguably arguably he took the best center available at that round he took arguably the best power forward at that round he took the best point guard available um for like for that spot it's a really good team for at every at every spot he picked a guy where even if they're not my favorite choice they mm-hmm. are a person i understand one, why he picked them overall, and two, like, I like that he got them where he got them. Yeah, and I know Paul Pierce has turned into a meme, but yes. where he was in his heyday, really good outside shooter. The one thing I'm not sure about, I, I don't really know if the guards' defense is going to hold yes. up. Like they've got a stout interior, but like a, maybe a mushy guard defense. But, but at the same time, you don't need to have all elite defense if you have Wood and Carl patrolling down Lurking low. in the paint. Yes, I agree. Um, any team that can't shoot would, would fear playing this team, I think. Um, and also, like, there's no center power forward combo that's going to bully this team defensively. I will say the only glaring weakness of this team besides of course, perimeter defense is I think it is a drop off in big men. Wilt and Carl was fantastic, but he waited so long to follow that up with Kevin Love and Wes Unseld just isn't super hot but maybe you're relying on Wilt and Carl to play 95% of the game. 
I think the key to this team, and also I will say, like, Wilt has the record in minutes played, and I think, like, for a season, and I think Carl Malone had one of the longest careers cool. ever. Yeah. So maybe that's not such a, like, a crazy expectation to have them playing 40-plus minutes a game, yeah. even in today's rest era. Um, I like the Kevin Love pick. Like, I think having him and Carl Malone swap in and out for each other is a very interesting, like, dichotomy. Like, you, I don't know if it would work, though. Well, Maybe. so... It depends. I'd have to see what the individual matchups were. It, it would depend on the matchups, but, like, say you don't need Chamberlain and Malone in, so you put in Kevin Love to add some spacing for Wilt to go to work. Um, I, I think the hinge for this is how good Wes Unseld is defensively. Like, I think if he comes in and is defensively st- – and I, I honestly couldn't tell you one thing about him. I don't know what team he Yeah, played. once we figure out how good Wes Unseld was, then we'll know about Jacoby's team. Like, I, think, I think Wes Unseld was a um, – from what I've heard, I, I, don't, I don't think listing off accomplishments and accolades, it might not help the case. But I thought I, from the last – in the second to last round, I thought Unseld – you might have to read off his accolades. I thought Unseld was a fantastic player. I'm, I'm like a little bit embarrassed. Like the worst thing you can have in a basketball podcast is be like, I don't know who that guy is. Although we'll come to that later uh, when we get to Sherrod's team. Um, okay, here's, here's his accolades. Five-time All-Star, Hall of Famer, rebounding champ once, uh, won an NBA championship, uh, finals MVP, all NBA once and all rookie once. He has a finals MVP with who? Uh, with the Bullets. So that's what I'm going to say. I didn't know the Bullets have a t- had a title. Uh, that might have been that must have been seventies, right? Yes, it was seventy eight. Oh wait, hold on. Yeah, with the bullets, they have one title. I think it is with the seventy. Yeah, so yeah, all right. Uh, so he's all rookie, all NBA, Finals MVP, regular season MVP, and Rookie of the Year. Oh, so wait, wait, wait. Oh my God, this, so he has. So correct me if I'm wrong. So he has an NBA championship, a Finals MVP, a regular season MVP, and Rookie of the Year. Yes. That's and, a, yeah, our, our, dude, our apologies to Jacoby. That's a fantastic pick. What I'm a little bit confused about is the only time he made the All-NBA team was the year he won MVP and was his rookie of the – like, apparently he came in and won the MVP and then didn't really – Wait, wait, wait. So his first year in the league, he was rookie of the year and regular season MVP? Yes. He, that's, that's one of the best right, rookie years of all time. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, dude, my, my apology for Jacoby Hardy. West he, plays, he plays center. He's 6'7". He averaged 10 points and 14 rebounds over 1,000 games. Four Wasn't assists. he number one overall pick? Wasn't he what? Was he a number one overall pick? Uh, I don't know how I can check that. I'm not on his way. Actually, I do know how I can check that. He was the second overall pick. Second overall pick? Okay, okay, okay. Uh, let's see who he was behind. Behind Elvin Hayes, actually. Um, a good player in his own right. Uh, yeah, so it looks like this guy just ate up rebounds. Um, one of the best rookie seasons we've ever seen. Had one of the greatest rookie seasons ever, and he averaged about 10 to 15 points, depending on the year. Um, just yeah, a solid okay. Dude, I the think respect for Wes Unseld will, will be no more. Respect for Wes Unseld, I think that's a great pick and exactly what he needs. Like a guy who can come in, play defense, eat up rebounds when Chamberlain or Malone's tired. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Yeah, that's a good, yeah, he has a really good team. Uh, yeah, I think I voted for Jacoby. I, I like his team. All right. So the ninth team in this draft was by Mo, and he definitely would have a People's uh, People's Choice Award for the best NBA team. Um, for uh, He definitely has the casual vote, but he has Kevin Durant, Allen Iverson, Giannis, 
Ray Allen, Dwight Howard, Grant Hill, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, Yao Ming, Jamal Crawford, and Doug Collins. So, and I told him this over text. I think his head coach was a bad pick, and I think he – the only reason why, and I believe Mo agreed with me, only reason why he took Doug Collins is he was a prisoner of the moment for watching The Last Dance and figured, oh, I don't have a head coach. Let me just take Doug Collins. That's like – you know what I'll equate that to, and I think you'll agree with me, is if, there, if we had this draft when LeBron's documentary came out and someone was looking for a head coach – and they took um, who was his coach in Cleveland in 2007? That was the bald, the bald black coach. That is that, that is his name Mike Brown? Is that Mike, Mike Brown? Brown? If he would have taken either Mike Brown or he would have taken um, David Blatt. If someone so if the LeBron documentary came out and someone was looking for a head coach and they took either Mike Brown or David Blatt, that's what I'm going to equate this pick to. I don't believe Doug – and I know Doug Collins was a good player, and he had a couple good years, I want to say with like the 76ers in like the early 2010s. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm thinking of the same person. Yes, that's the same guy. Same guy. But I just – I'm Doug Collins. And, but, um, but back to his team, um, really good first three selections – I don't know if I would have taken Giannis in the third round. Um, I think Dwight Howard in his prime, fantastic. Grant Hill in his prime, regardless of injuries, fantastic. I d- I'm not in love with – I would have – if you would have taken um, a look at his draft board, after he went KD, AI, Giannis, Ray, Dwight Howard, Grant Hill, I would have been like, oh, my God, you can make this team really, really good. You just need a couple pieces, like a West Unseld or Kevin Love, and it, this team would be complete. Mm-hmm. I just think he threw his draft away, ending with Tatum, Booker, Ming, Crawford, and Collins. I think I would, if given the option, I would take this team, and I would redo four of the five less picks. 100%. Um, maybe Tatum, I guess. Maybe Tatum, yeah. Tatum, Tatum on, on, like, a nice edge, like, could go either way. But I'd be They're not horrible picks. I could have just done much better. Well, I would have repicked Booker. I think this might be a hot take. I think Jamal Crawford is a terrible pick. Yeah, I think Jamal Crawford. Jamal Crawford is like a flashy pick. If we were doing teams based off of if uh, who would get the best mixtape off of Ball is Life, then I would be like, okay, Jamal Crawford, Kevin Durant, Tatum, Booker, Giannis. That's a pretty Jamal good Crawford. Pick. This is a good does, mixtape team. Maybe he would have been better on a team that needs like scoring. Maybe, but he does nothing for this team. Like yeah, he doesn't do anything for the team. There's not a single thing that I'm like so much scores in the beginning. He has Ray Allen and KD and AI. You don't he, need scores. If he went starting with Tatum, and he picks instead of Booker, he picks literally any defensive star at any position. I'd be like bet. And then if he does the same thing instead of Jamal Crawford, I'd be like bet. And that might be the best team. But with the team as constructed, like I don't see anything you're really doing with Devin Booker and Jamal Crawford, and then. I don't trust Doug Collins to find the right, like, blend. <laughs> like, not that I think he's a bad coach. Like, I think you're, he's a are using the Doug Collins playbook. This team but, is horrible. But Doug Collins is definitely the worst head coach, I think, selected. Yes. Um, yeah, and I, I like the vision. Like, actually, you know what? If you let me take this team and you let me make – I like AI. I just don't like AI on this team. I think it might be my problem. Because if okay. you have a starting lineup of, say we put Stockton there instead. We've got Stockton to initiate the offense. We've got Ray Allen spotting up somewhere. We've got Kevin Durant spotting up somewhere. We've got Giannis running, like, the, court. running the court. And call it a, uh, 
a Stockton Giannis pick and roll, like that'd be disgusting. Or even a Stockton Dwight Howard pick and roll. And then defensively, that team is stout. But Allen Iverson, although a steals leader, not someone I consider like, like defensively sound per se. Yeah. Um, and I just think there might actually be, and I'm not even, I think it's kind of BS when people are like, oh, there's only one ball, like not all these people can eat. But I think that very much could be an issue with this team. That definitely could be an issue with this team. Um, um, but I like I like the picks. I like Grant Hill. I almost picked Grant Hill um, that very round, actually. Yeah, Grant Hill's a good pick. I remember back in Chicago when this draft first started, I remember when he went KD, AI, and Giannis, I was I was worried for what how good this team could be. I was like, yes. okay, hold on now. This team could actually be really, really good. Ray Allen, I was like, okay. Dwight Howard, okay. Hill, okay. And then he went Tatum. I was just like, yeah, I'm done. The thing – Those first three picks, though, I remember it did scare me. I was like, okay, this could actually be really, really good. I was even scared through four or maybe five. I think if I was him, I wouldn't have done Dwight Howard. Not because I don't like Dwight Howard. I love Dwight Howard, and I think he would have been a good pick on some of the other teams. Like, you put Dwight Howard on Julian's team, that solves a lot of his problems. Repl- a lot yeah, replace Jokic yeah. with Howard. This, we're not making um, him anymore. But you have – I think this is one of those – and this is why everyone else has people – listed at their listed position like point guard shooting guard this is why I just went guard forward center like I want to know what guys can do like he has Kevin Durant could play center in a pinch Giannis like does play center to an extent yeah um Yao Ming is like can't really do much else like I just think that if he'd committed to a small ball team with Giannis at the center I might have respected it a lot more than having kind of like tripling down on seven foot guys from the three to the five gotcha yeah yeah yeah, 100 percent. this would be an annoying team to play against though like i think all of these guys i'm not sure about booker and i'm not sure and i know jamal crawford's a defensive sieve but i i think everyone on this team is pretty long um, which would be annoying all right the 10th team and the team i wanted to get to the most with you Cade, is sherrod's team you take a look at some of the guys on this team that is both young and old and the team not inconsistent in play in their play, but inconsistent in age, era, and overall strategy, and probably one of the more peculiar teams. And quite frankly, maybe box office at second box office behind Julian's team is Sherrod's team. And before you get into your analysis, I'll give you the rundown. So he has Larry Bird, Oscar Robertson, Elgin Baylor, George Mikan, Dennis Rodman, Red Auerbach. Kyrie Irving, Dan Issel, Bobby Jones, Earl Monroe, and John Wall. And I want to make two claims. One, you can make the argument that this is more box office. Could you see the practices with Larry Bird, Dennis Rodman, Kyrie Irving, and Red Arbach could quite be very entertaining in, in, you know, to the full extent. And uh, he had a really good first three picks, and I was c- kind of worried about his team when he did Larry Bird, Oscar, and Elgin. But then he went George Mike, and I was like, I'm, I'm a DePaul University student, but I still wouldn't even take George Mike at all in this draft. So, first, someone on this team is, is like, getting suspended for punching someone else on the team. I don't know which <laughs> – <laughs> I don't know which person would snap first, but putting Kyrie Irving, Dennis Rodman, Larry Bird in a room, then adding in John Wall, then adding in Red Auerbach, like 
that is a recipe for disaster. Like someone is getting slaughtered. Maybe if we knew who Dan Issel was, maybe he's feisty too. Maybe maybe he's a psychopath, but no one even knows who Dan Issel is. And I remember, and I I don't know if you probably remember this, and for those listening, I remember the moment there are rare, there are so many, actually, let, let me restart. The happiest I am in life is when something happens in the world and I can text Kate about it. And I know me and you, we're homies. There's a lot we see eye to eye on, but there's only so many rare things. I'm like, first person, I have to tell Cade. But when that moment comes, it's a special one. And that moment came, I never thought in an NBA draft, I would say, who on earth is Dan Issel? And for an overall moment in time, if I ever have a chance to be like, first person, I have to let someone know about this. It's you. It's a special one. Um, I want to say earlier in this, in this very podcast, I said the, the most embarrassing thing you could say in like an NBA podcast is like, I don't know who that is. And so not knowing Wes Unseld, that is, that's a neck. I'll take that. Like that's a bit of disrespect on myself. Like that's my fault. Dan Issel, if you are listening at home and you care about the NBA and you don't know who Dan Issel is. I don't even know. I might not know who Bobby Jones is. I might not know who Bobby Jones is either. Um, but Dan Issel, I was like sitting at my desk. I have this, I had this open in like another tab and I check every once in a while just to see what happens. I see Dan Issel's name. I'm like, who, who? And you search him on Wikipedia and you don't really get any resolution to most of your questions. Like he pops up and I still have no idea who this guy is. I will say two things about Dan Issel. I don't even remember him as a head coach for the Nuggets. I, I couldn't tell you a single thing about him. I just pulled him up. It's bad. It's bad if you're taking a player that at one point in time played for the Kentucky Colonels. He played for the Kentucky Colonels. He, he played in the ABA for a long time, which is maybe why I've never heard of him. But just like, I just, I just don't, I just don't get it. And this is one where it's like, you have to lean for it. You have to take a modern lean um, to like a few of people. He kind of should have known that no one was going to know who this guy yeah. is. Um, and, and, and your whole argument of what era is this game played? I don't even think Dan Issel fits if this game was played in Dan Issel's era. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, and Mike and the two guys I was thinking of when I was thinking of how much are people going to respect credentials over like name value over like if they could play right now in the NBA. Like, I don't think George Mikan could play in today's NBA. I just don't think he could. No disrespect to George Mikan. But in his era, he won X amount of titles. I think he won like three or four. And he was an absolutely unstoppable force. But the second they like widened the lane and I think they added the three second rule, they added some rule. And then after that, he's kind of kind of useless. Um, so like I, I think that off credentials alone, he's well deserving of where he was picked. But I just don't think he adds much to your team. Yeah, as an overall, I like his team. It's not horrible. It's not a bad team. But it's just got a lot of question marks have, yeah. and not even necessarily related to the basketball. Like, <laughs> I truly do think that this would be the most combustible of the locker rooms. Like, I think yeah. Larry Bird and Kyrie Irving would hate each other. I think Larry Bird would hate Dennis Rodman. Um, Kyrie Irving would probably hate 
Elgin Baylor for no reason. Kyrie Irving is just kind of a lock. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say it. I think Kyrie is a bit of a locker room cancer anywhere he goes. Um, and I think the Nets with him and Kevin Durant have the possibility to be a disaster. Yeah. And this just exacerbates that. Um. I kind of like the John, I'm kind of like middling on the John Wall pick. Like, I think he's a very good player, but also you only get like, like prime John Wall. Does he move the needle more than like no. Jalen Rose? I don't think so. No, no, not at all. Definitely like the Baylor Robertson bird pick. He definitely has scoring paired with like defense and rebounding. Um, he has a little bit of everything. He does he's have a, t- a little bit of everything. It's just, there are, I don't even want to call them flaws. There are just, Thing there are variables to this team that there aren't on other teams. Yes, I agree 100%. Um, it, so we were talking about how we want like a league pass to, to Julian's team. This team, I want hard knocks access. I want to see everything that goes on in the locker room behind the scenes. And it's interesting that you say that because I'm going to use this as a transition to if you want league pass and hard knocks, you have to think of something media wise that you want for our next team. Ty, Tyron Ball's 11th overall. Uh, he was the his team was the 11th team on this uh, on this draft, and he was the 11th spot in this order. His team is as follows: Tim Duncan, Bill Russell, Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, Pat Riley, Vince Carter, Draymond Green, Penny Hardaway, Ben Wallace, Andre Iguodala, and Gilbert Arenas. So I'll ask you this: So if we're taking league pass for Julian and hard knocks for Sherrod. With Ty's team of the quiet Tim Duncan, I know Bill Russell was charis- is charismatic as an old man. Talk about him like flipping off Adam Silver at the dinner, and or uh, I and you know the I will I would kick your butt speech. I can only assume if the media was around during Bill Russell, we'd know about his character. Chris Paul, maybe Mello. Pat Riley definitely knows where the bodies are hidden in Biscayne Bay. Um. Draymond Green, Ben Wallace, and then all of a sudden Gilbert Arenas got has the straps on deck. What would be what would be the media credentials that you want for Ty's team? Um, this might be on like FBI's most wanted, like because there there are prim, there are arguably criminals on this team, or they would be criminals in each other's presence. Um, I don't know. This team is also. We were talking about combustible. This team's combustible in an entirely different way than the last team. It's crazy because Chris Paul has definitely butted heads with teammates. Um, Tim Duncan would just sit there in the corner and probably not say anything. Uh, Ben Wallace started the malice at the palace. Gilbert Arenas brought guns to his locker room. Like so much could go out of hand on Draymond. Draymond arguably chased KD out of out of Oakland. Yes, he chased he chased KD out of Oakland. He got KD to Oakland and just sat there and watched the world burn. And I don't no remember regard for Stephen Adams's reproductive abilities. Outside of Tim Duncan and Bill Russell, I think every other person on this team, oh, and maybe Penny Hardaway, comes with off the court or, or off the court, but basketball related drama. Like Chris Paul, as you said, Iguodala. Vince Carter is hated or, by the entire country of Canada. Iguodala, if you remember. I think he was on the Nuggets, or maybe it was his first Warriors year. I forget what team he was on, but he was playing one of his old teams in the playoffs, I think it was. And he knew that the coach was trying to do something. Like he was trying to get like his 
old coach was trying to get someone on his team now hurt or something like that. Or maybe his new coach was trying to get someone on his old team hurt and he snitched about it. And then people on his team like chased him out of town. I don't remember the exact specifics, but something along those lines. Gotcha. I didn't know that. Um, but there's so many like, holy cow, this could go downhill in the matter. Of, this could this team could be banned from basketball by the commissioner two games into this season. Oh, yes. And I think – and outside of the chemistry issues, I love this team. This might be my favorite non-me team. Yeah, but we'll, yeah, we'll break it. Aside from the memes, we'll, we'll break down for basketball-related ties team. Because um, you're getting Tim Duncan, the big fundamental – you're getting Bill Russell, who is essentially Tim Duncan if Tim Duncan had been born like 40 years earlier. Mm-hmm. You're getting Chris Paul, point god, uh, like basketball genius IQ, arguably not a good person, but like that's fine. Yeah. Uh, well, not good person like morally, but like as a teammate. As a teammate. Um, you've got Mello, who is very hard to evaluate objectively, I feel like, because he can but, shoot yeah. the lights out. Prime, prime next prime nuggets. If you're in, in this draft, he's going to be either a nug, he's going to play like a nugget or play like a Nick, and that's fantastic. Just a wonderful basketball player, like can shoot the lights out, and when he would try, he was at least fine on defense, but also didn't like Jeremy Lin stealing a spotlight. So how does that mesh? Um, you've got Pat Riley, like as a coach, like great X's and O's guys. Uh, Vince Carter, who I'm going to say, this is one of my, my quote-unquote hot basketball takes. I think people remember prime Vince Carter as much better than he was. Really? Wow, okay. I think that if you look at his whole career, like he's had a wonderful career. He's had like one of the best NBA careers so, ever. Like as a Raptor and as a Net. Yes, but at his peak as, uh, on the Raptors and the Nets, like he was not as good as Tracy McGrady. More flash than... Than substance. He, he, yeah, more flash than substance. Um, I think his best year is one of his Raptors years. I forget which one. Uh, but I just think after that, he never... I think he's only, like, on the all-NBA team, like, once or twice. Um, so I just think that... I think he's a great fit, and I think he got great value where he got him. I, was kind of, I thought he was going to go earlier and that that was going to sink somebody's team was what I really thought was going to happen. I think in this draft, he was pretty adequately valued. Um, Draymond Green, like, obviously great if he's not your best player. Penny Hardaway, wonderful, injuries aside. I almost took Ben Wallace instead of Bill Walton because three-time defensive player of the year could shut down Shaq. So in my mind, that means he could shut down most any center. Yeah. Um, Andre Iguodala, finals MVP winner, like, just a great glue guy. Good value. And then I almost took Gilbert Arenas instead of Chauncey Billups. I think if you take – uh, Gilbert Arenas' like best three-year stretch for the Wizards, like before the injuries and the gun and all that good stuff, he had a great run. And yeah, he, I think if he comes into the league today, he looks a lot more like Steph Curry. Really? I thought he like, would, he's obviously he, not I thought he would be on the side of like, like, a, like a Russ, Damian Lillard. What happened? Did we lose you? Kid froze up on us. Oh, there uh, you I'm go. back. Yes, you're there. Um, I think. Did you hear what I said? That if oh, no, I didn't hear what you said. I said I thought Gilbert would probably compare more towards like a Damien or a Russ. I, I think that I think he'd be. I think Dame might be a good comparison. Yeah. Um, I think he comes into the league. If he comes in, even in like 2012, he gets a lot more respect. Um. 
And maybe if he had Pat Riley as a head coach, he has the structure he needs to not go off the deep end. Or Pat Riley would bring Gilbert Arenas, Gilbert Arenas along on hits. That's that's very true. That's very possible. Um, but I really like I like the talent fit of this team a lot. Yeah, ben Wallace, I thought was a great pick, great value pick. Ben Wallace, great value. He took great value, I think, in every in every round. Like the only guy I might go back and not pick if I was him, um, and I'd have to look at the order again. But I might not take Vince Carter. There might be some guys I like better than him. But, yeah. like, but even having Vince Carter on your team, like that's not a bad thing. Like yeah, I still want Vince Carter on my team. And the slander he gets, I think Draymond Green is a really good glue player and a good role player, especially for that round. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. Like, you put in Draymond Green to spell, like, to create he, small... Draymond Green's your backup power forward. That's fantastic. Yeah. If you run, like, a, a weird, funky Draymond Green, Bill Russell pick and roll, that'd be kind of hilarious. Like, I, <laughs> I like the fit of this team a lot, as long as it do. doesn't go up in flames. I do. As long as it doesn't go up in flames, this is a good. This is one. This is one match away from total, you know, paranoia. Or not oh, it's one. It's one. Chris Paul telling Bill Russell to shoot the ball, uh, fiasco away. But like, if they can hold it together, it'd really be on Tim Duncan and Bill Russell to hold things together. But if they pull it off, then I if think they that pull they, it off. This is a really good team. Yes. Um, all right. As they say, you save the best for last. So your team is as follows. Hakeem Olajuwon, Steph Curry, James Harden, James Worthy, Chris Bosh, Chris Mullen, Bill Walton, Dominique Wilkins, Sean Marion, Chauncey Billups, and Rick Carlisle. I've always, I've already expressed to you, I love every single pick on this team except Rick Carlisle. I think Carlisle's a great head coach and I'll have to see who was around him. I just, I don't know. Um, First things first, fantastic team. I know you already won, so you don't need congrats, but this is a really good team. Thank you, Love thank you. Team and Steph Curry as your bounce back pick. And I know going into the draft, you were like, oh no, I have the 12th pick. But this worked out perfectly. James Worthy being your fourth pick is so underrated. It makes my, it'll make me cry. It'll make my kids cry. Um, I still think Chris Bosch, Chris Mullen, and Bill Walton, sneaky, sneaky good. Um, I don't love Sean Marion as much as you do. While I love, I, I like the pick. I know I don't love it as much as you do. I think Billups is a great last player selected. And overall, this is just incredibly solid. Um, my strategy coming in, I, I talked about it before, was I wanted to stay versatile in the first couple rounds. And I kind of view my team as I'm very successfully like chameleon-y. Like, I could put together more or less any combination of the five guys and get a serviceable team, um, as long as it's not, like, the two centers. Right. Uh, and I look at Bosch and Marion as, like, two skeleton key guys. Like, if I put them in a lineup, no matter what guys I have, bigger or smaller than them, like, they can guard someone else, like, another team will have on the floor. Do you have any worries about Steph Curry's on-ball defense? My the big thing I think you could say is that if you put in a Curry Harden lineup, like either of them could maybe get cooked on defense. Harden only like Harden can guard bigger guys. Um, yeah, but they make up for it on offense. And if someone if one of them's really getting just destroyed, that's when you put in like the other defensive stoppers and just leave it at, at one score. And I think it could still be okay. Yeah, that's the only the only and it's not going to matter because I I do love this team is I would say 
just on-ball point guard defense with, like, if you have Chauncey Billups and Steph Curry, how great is that going to be on-ball defense? And I would say lack of crazy size at the power forward position because I think Harden, Worthy, Wilkins, Mullen, great small forwards, but it's only you only have one true power forward in Chris Bosh. I agree with that, but I view Marion as a guy, and this was the value of picking. You have a lot of you have a lot of shooting guards and small forwards, not a yes. lot of point guards, power forwards. I think Marion can guard one to four. I think Chris Bosh can guard like two or three to five. Um, and I think James Harden is almost better at guarding. Like I'd almost trust him in like the mini rockets we saw for a little bit, like he was guarding the small forward or the power forward. Like I would trust them to guard larger guys. They just might maybe struggle with the the quicker guys. And I think Uh, Rick Carlisle would probably put the fear of God into James Harden on defense within the first practice. Oh yes, for sure. And I think that it might be, well, actually I know it would be to Harden's benefit that he is not having to play 80 games and score 40 points a game to get his team into the playoffs. Like he'll come into any playoffs we might have well rested, which I think is to his, his benefit, especially on the defensive end. So the thing I screwed up on is I probably, I went Clyde Drexler over James Worthy. I probably would have went James Worthy. If I had to do a redo, I probably would have went James Worthy over Drexler. Yeah. Um, And if you replace Drexler with Worthy, I probably may have like gotten closer to the number one spot. Um, but even if you swap Worthy with with Drexler on your team, it's still – I don't think much changes, but Worthy is a fantastic pick. If you don't pick Drexler, I don't know how that cascades down the board. Like, I don't know who else picks who, but I would probably go Miller over Drexler. Not okay. because I don't like Drexler. I do, but I feel like Miller – like, Reggie Miller is just a more flexible pick. Like, I still haven't really committed to any one strategy or style. Fair, gotcha. And so remind me, you're, who do you think the top four teams in this draft was? So I think I voted a little bit. You can say, t- tell me your three best teams besides yourself. So from who I voted for, like I think I voted for people that I thought didn't get votes that I thought deserved them. Um, but looking I, as like overall your top three yeah. teams besides yourself. My overall top three teams are, are Tyron's team for sure. Um. Your team. Okay. And then there's a bunch. That's where it kind of gets a bit harder. Surprise, uh, I love Ty's team. I really like Ty's team. If it if the wheels don't fall off, I think that's like maybe the most talented team. Um, and then you, your team, as I said, and then maybe I, there, I like a couple teams. I like Abbas's team. I like EJ's team. Uh, the... Yeah, I think it'd be one of those two. It'd be Abbas or it'd be, it'd be DJ. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, overall, um, yeah, really good draft. Relatively uh, successful. Um, glad we definitely do, did that. I would have loved to have done a breakdown or, to, or finish the NFL draft. Maybe in the future I'll omit offensive line. Maybe that'll make it smoother. I don't know if I'll ever try to do it again. Um, but it was definitely, you know, rather successful draft. It took a while, but I'm glad I, you know, we finished it. And overall, um, you know, solid to do, especially good to see what 
who, you know, from all areas of basketball IQ, because, and, and, you know, my basketball fan, what was it, like fandom, is that the, is that the word? Yeah, Versus yeah. yours, versus DJ, versus Jack, versus Johnny makes for relatively good content. Um, and something that's fun about drafts like these is you get to see what people's niches are, like what people think is undervalued. Like I kind of valued shooting and flexible defense. Um, I think, who was it? Muhammad valued just like guys who have played in his lifetime. Um, <laughs> Sherrod valued like obscure ABA players. Um, and I just, I thought that was quite fun. I think one guy that I, you could pick someone who like wasn't a stud, but you really wanted on your team. I didn't have. I would have liked to see uh, Drazen Petrovic come. come on yeah, Drazen Petrovic. I remember, I remember uh, knowing that he wasn't selected. I was like, oh, man, I wonder if I should have taken him. But I, that wouldn't have probably only have gotten props from you, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah. He's one. Of, he slips under the radar a little bit. Definitely good players didn't go picked. Um, so maybe he should have gone a little bit. Even like he might have needed fourteen rounds before someone actually took him. Um, so we definitely, so we failed to do NFL. So that's definitely on the table. We already did NBA. Mm -hmm. Is there any type of draft, whether it be a sport or anything like that for content during quarantine, you think we should take a crack at? Uh, two, I think would be good. Would be, I think not a lot of people know, not a lot of people know NHL. You said baseball. Yeah. I think baseball is a pretty easy one to do. Um, I don't know if I maybe I'd have to hit you up to recruit some people because I don't know who would be able to do that aside from me, you, and Johnny. Yeah, maybe one player at each position, three relievers, three ish starters, and a couple bench guys at whatever position. I don't know. Um, and I think a a hip hop, a hip hop one would be would be fun, uh, as we've talked about off camera. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I think those would be the, the first two. U.S. presidents? U.S. presidents. <laughs> <laughs> World leaders draft. Uh, you got to pick a Democratic leader, an authoritarian, uh, a wild card, and like a, like a, non, a non-president, but like a, like a cabinet member of some kind. Right. I definitely will think it's, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when I do the whole recruiting process for our full length NFL preview because yeah. if I grab five or six guys and I say give me your predictions for every single division playoffs and Super Bowl and then if everyone breaks it down to full length and I don't have Johnny and Jacoby quit on me mid podcast to go play 2k I think it would be relatively sick. did I tell you about that for the rap draft yeah yeah I could hear 2k in the background during the last picks they're, they're scrubs, but that's okay. Uh, that might even be one where you'd have to break it up and do it conference by conference in two different sessions. Um, yeah, podcast. But yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, 100%. I definitely, yeah, I probably should break it up into AFC and then do one, probably like one AFC, one NFC, and then like one playoff Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, like a part one, part two, part two, uh, part three. Before I let you go, we have to bring this up because it's, obligatory for every single time I have you on the podcast. I have to talk Duke basketball at some point. Of course. Any thoughts regarding the latest Zion Williamson Nike lawsuit? I know Duke made a statement. Um, I want to say there may have been one other piece of news. Coach K, the recent one, and this happened during the podcast, is Duke's head coach may be called upon in a suit, which we knew for Williamson receiving the legal benefits. And I don't know this will probably – I don't know if this is going to – 
snowball into talking about paying athletes in NCAA, but there's anything, any thoughts regarding that allegation? So I would say that if Duke specifically has been paying players to come here, it would probably have come out in more than a rumor since like, like, cause everyone else has been exposed. I feel like, yeah, I do think that players are getting some sort of benefit to come here and my, if you had to make me guess at it, I would say we've got a lot of rich boosters um, and alumni donors. And so it might be a deal where you come to Duke and then you go. And no matter what happens in the NBA, you're set for life. That would not shock me. Um, Interesting. But I really don't think there's anything. The NCAA I definitely don't have a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind players getting paid anyway. Um, if Coach K wants to give out a couple K here and there, like. Yeah, uh, I, I feel like if everywhere else is giving impermissible, quote unquote, impermissible benefits, then Duke yeah. must be as well and just might be better at, at hiding the bodies. So I feel like this lawsuit is probably not going to be a big deal. You don't think it's going to be a big deal? Okay, so that's what I was going to ask. Do you think it turns into like a craziness, like they have to erase Zion stuff from the history books? Are they going to take down any Final Four regional championship or like ACC tournament title banner? Are they going to have to – is Coach K going to have to sit out for a couple weeks or a couple months or a year or anything like that? Or you don't see anything of this going crazy? I feel like they didn't really do anything to UNC. They can't really do anything to us. Um, I think it'll get a lot of media attention. I think there's going to be a lot of mudslinging. Nike and Zion. Yes, and especially since it's the only thing going on. But I don't see it getting going much worse than just being a public spectacle. Yeah, that and that and that makes sense. I would uh, find it hard to believe. It. I mean, they're coming for the king on this one. Like, oh yeah, in, like in those FBI movies, you don't go for Al Capone off rip. You like try to work your way out. I'm surprised they're going for the cream of the crop already. Well, from my from my understanding, though, it's not even like a like an FBI like CIA sting operation. It's like his someone he had like an agreement with to be his agent. He ended up not making them yeah, it sounds like someone got rubbed the wrong way yeah it sounds like it's someone else's like individual problem so even though like stuff might come out i don't think it'll impact uh, uh impact duke too negatively last question what 76ers and panthers jersey is that behind you uh you want to guess well i see a two zero I, or not a two I, is that that's not a jimmy butler 76 jersey no no so the the Sixers jerseys like cam newton right Panthers is Cam, Cam Till I Die, and then uh, Sixers is Embiid. Embiid, okay. Why Embiid? Um, well, to be honest with you, my freshman year roommate, his dad has something to do with the Sixers, um, and he left a bunch of stuff in our room behind uh, when he moved out. And so uh-huh. he was like, if you want any of this stuff, be my guest. So it's like, okay. And I was nice. picking through the pile. This is one of those things, so I just kept it. Nice. Um, but I like Embiid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I respect it. Well, all right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know your schedule is busy during quarantine. You have a lot on your plate. but uh, Oh, yeah, you know, really, really, really busy every hour of day and or night. But for Cade McCurdy, I am Jacob Robinson. This has been a special quarantine edition of uh, the Robinson Report on Radio DePaul Sports, student voice of DePaul Boom Demons. Hopefully I'll be back. 
I'll definitely be back at some point in some sort of media before, whether it be an article or something with a, you know, a boss or anyone else on radio um, before quarantine ends. Hopefully I'll be back in studio in September. Um, but yeah, no, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll put this up to the airwaves and see if, uh, see if the masses flock to it. Who knows? We might be challenging Bill Simmons for a spot on basketball. Talk. For a uh, podcast supremacy. Oh, Jake, I got one last thing to say to uh, your loyal, loving definitely listening audience go blue demons only up from here we hit rock bottom the only way is up the only way is up there's literally no lower you can go